Good morning, church. It's good to be here. It's been 20 years since I followed Drew. He's a hard act to follow, isn't he? Huh? You're thinking, when was that? It must have been back in the past. Might have been longer than that, mustn't it? Huh? 25 years? At least 20 years. So my name is Ian. Some of you know me, some of you don't. I'm part of an organisation called Tough Talk and... Uh, and Pastor phoned me and said, well, I come in and share a little bit about Tough Talk and share whatever that's on my heart. And uh, I thought, well, that's an open invitation, isn't it? The problem is, is I'm an evangelist. <laughs> yeah, Mike likes that. And uh, evangelists only really have got the gospel. There isn't much more deeper to me than that. So I'm not a teacher. Teachers teach and uh, pastors pastor. I was a pastor who cares for the flock. And uh, I realised as a young man, I wasn't a nice human being. I didn't like people, I was unsocial, and when God got hold of my heart, I didn't suddenly become a pastor, you see. I'm not a comforting, counselling sort of bloke. Pastors do that stuff, don't they? They like people, they think about other people, and uh, I don't really, I just preach the gospel, and, uh, and I realised... Many years ago when I went into a church, and I got a little bit of the ump because it seemed like the, the church hadn't made any effort to invite anyone to the meeting. And I thought, well, I'm an evangelist, aren't I? Lord, aren't I just supposed to speak to those that don't know Jesus? Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? And I realized I was to minister to the body as I started to read the scriptures. And what I realized, actually, is as a pastor ministers to the body to comfort them, to help them, encourage them, an evangelist really wakes them up. That's the purpose. I'm here to share people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, to do that, you have to talk about sin. You have to talk about hell. You have to talk about uncomfortable stuff. You have to talk about the return of Jesus Christ. So an evangelist comes to wake up the body of Christ, which is a little bit different. And so I don't get invited back very often. But that is the purpose of me today. So thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm gonna, I thought to myself, how do I share about Tough Talk and, uh, and unpack that and then bring a message all in about 30 minutes? So I thought I'd kind of uh, combine it as one kind of message, if that's okay. So I thought I'd give you a, a little background to the work of Tough Talk and what we do and share some, uh, uh, something from that and see where we end up in 30 minutes. And uh, So uh, to give you an idea, Tough Talk has been, I actually started this in 1994. Well, that's a long time, isn't it? And uh, I, we've registered as a charity at 2000. And I think that's when Mike joined Tough Talk, about 2000, 2001. And uh, I, so I've been on the road preaching and sharing and giving testimony. And to give you an idea of the kind of work I do, just this week coming, uh, I'm flying up to Scotland and I'm going to be working in the prisons in Scotland during the week. Uh, uh, I'm in a school on Thursday. We've got 1,500 kids we're speaking to in a school on Thursday. And then we're coming back on Friday. I'm doing a church festival together in Cambridge on Saturday called the Hugh Festival. On Sunday morning, I'm preaching at church out in Ely. And that's kind of how it goes for me. So I, I'm around and up and about, and uh, I get an incredible opportunity to preach the gospel. But what I wouldn't want to do is to boast and seem to seem as if I'm boasting in anything I do, because that is not really what I'm about. So I seldom uh, share about the work of Tough Talk, because I don't want it to come over in the wrong way. Um, I was at a, a prison uh, conference last year speaking at, at Holy Trinity Brompton. Anyone know that church? Posh place down there, isn't it? Lovely, isn't it? And uh, all lovely posh people in there now. <laughs> 
And I was speaking in uh, Holy Trinity Brompton at their prison uh, conference. And uh, I, I bumped into three fellas that come up to me. One of them said, I came to faith through tough talk in the prisons 20 years ago. I said, wow, that's amazing. He said, he said I'm now working for this Christian charity. He told me we're bad. I can't remember what it is now. Um, I, 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 I told you, I won't make a pasty, you know, it's just the way it is. And, and the next fella come up and said, I came to faith five years ago, uh, and I'm working for uh, the Scottish Prison Fellowship, and it was a meeting you did in the prison in Perth, in a prison in Scotland. And I thought, wow, that's amazing, isn't it? Like, and that, you, who would believe you, you could impact people by just talking, you know? And uh, this guy's there telling me, he came to faith and he loves Jesus Christ. Then I walk around the corner, and another guy grabs hold of me and said, I came to faith in Seg two years Years ago, through reading the Tough Talk book, Seg is segregation. So that's like you've been locked up because you've been a naughty boy in prison, and uh, you're taking away your privileges. And they give you a Bible. Maybe they used to give you a Bible in the old days. Do you know that's what they used to do. But now, apparently, this guy got older. This book, Tough Talk. So I brought some of these down here today for anyone who's never seen one. If you want one, I got a couple over there. I usually sell them for like a fiver or something. So if you want one, if you haven't got a fiver, then maybe um, be blessed anyway. So this is uh, Tough Talk. It's got my story, and some of you who remember Arthur White. Who remembers Arthur? Some of you remember Arthur White. So Arthur is 72 years old now. Can you believe that? And he's still going with the gospel, praise God. He's like the bionic man. He's got truth. He's got metal shoulders, metal hips, metal knees. He's got two machines keeping his heart going. And he's flying up to Scotland with me. He's going to be away from Jackie for five days with me. He spends loads of his time with me and not his wife, poor fella. And uh, we get incredible privileges to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is amazing, isn't it? Turn with me, if you have a Bible, to Mark 16. The people still have Bibles. They're on phones and tablets. It's probably quick. Oh, you've got a Bible? You have? Yeah, well done. I was at a church the other week speaking and no one had a Bible. Huh? Have they been having, someone's been on you, have you? Get a Bible, man. It's not the same on a phone or a tablet, is it? You end up looking at your WhatsApp messages and your texts and things, don't you? So Mark 16, well, I do anyway. Mark 16, um, it says, if I read uh, from 15, and he said unto them, Go you unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Amen. I've got good news for any budding evangelist out there. You don't really have to do much. The Lord does it for you. He works through you. And all you've got to do is just start to open your mouth and incredible things happen. Just to have no fear of man. Wesley said, I do not fear man because I fear God more. 
fear God and you won't fear man. Stand and open your voice, open up your mouth. Incredible things start to happen. I was speaking, I got asked to speak very recently, uh, 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 um, a Rhino Bonkey uh, organization uh, for evangelists. And I was doing an evangelist conference and I was one of the speakers. And uh, my topic was, uh, uh, the word I was supposed to give was wisdom, how to evangelize. I thought, heck, I only really noticed during the worship that's what I was supposed to be speaking on. I hadn't made any preparations. I was sitting next to this guy called Dominic Muir. Anyone ever heard of Dominic? He's this posh Anglican guy, but loves the Lord and is fearless in preaching the gospel. And he was sitting there with all these notes and all his laptop and everything. And uh, I could see you seriously prepared. And I had no preparation. I just remember thinking wisdom. And I said, listen, guys, I've been given this topic to speak on, but I've got some news for you. I've got no wisdom. I didn't know how Tough Talk started. I didn't start it. And uh, I was just asked to come and speak and share my testimony. And then apparently the pastor at the time at the church, in, it's called City Gates in Ilford, he didn't have any money. And he didn't tell me that. He said, I had no budget for evangelism. So I thought, I'll get you to come up and speak. And then I had this thought, why don't you bring the weights with you and do a weightlifting demonstration? And so that's what happened. And we took the weights into the church that day. And we ended up lifting weights, sharing our stories. And a couple of people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. I remember thinking, that was amazing. How did that happen? And uh, I've got to be honest with you. I, I enjoy weight training, but I couldn't see that it was very spiritual. I couldn't see a connection with weights and going into a church or, or do, using weights. And I thought that was just a one-off. And then another guy from another church called Emmanuel in, in Walthamstow was there at the event and invited me to do a church there and bring the weights. So I turned up with the weights again. And we're doing these weightlifting demos, telling the stories. Maybe they didn't have any money back in the 90s, these churches. I don't know. But, and uh, I, then we went from that church and I got invited to a prison. And I got invited somewhere else. So I never really uh, set about with the whole concept of having weights and using testimonies, but we found ourselves getting invited to events and different churches, and uh, a, a year or two went past, and we're thinking, we get a lot of invitations, and uh, maybe we should have a name for this organization, you know, and, um, and, and we had a little discussion, some people were saying we should be called, I don't know, all, all sorts of crazy names, I don't know, like anything, uh, dark names really, things, that, or, or, or power names, you know, and I'm thinking, I don't really know what to call it, and, uh, and, and then uh, a church in North London advertised the event as, uh, that we was doing there as Tough Talk. He said, come and hear a tough talk, and I thought that was good, and he put it on these posters, and I nicked a couple of posters, because sometimes you get invited to, uh, to, to kind of give uh, some publicity, you see, and we're not that, like, technical, so I nicked these posters, and then people started asking me, have you got any publicity? And so I started sending off these posters, and I thought they could use that. And I remember after a few, like, I don't know, few events, every event was called Tough Talk. And I was still praying about what to call our organisation or the group of fellas. And I thought, I, I really, this is the truth. I turned up at this church uh, in North London somewhere. It was um, an African congregation. And literally, if you ever do some of these type of cultural churches, they have church all day long. And, and so it was like six or seven or nine hours long. And uh, we bowled in halfway through the event. And uh, the pastor that was preaching saw us turning up and said, oh, look, here's Tough Talk. Give him a big clap. And I remember thinking, oh, that would be a good name, maybe. Maybe that is what the Lord's saying to me. 
And so once we used that, everything became tough talk. Whether we wrote a book, uh, we did a video, everything was just tough talk. It was very simple. The charity became tough talk. And uh, I really do not have any wisdom as such, except for the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom, guys. And I have no real wisdom. I believe if you really want to do something for the Lord, read your Bible, get on your knees and pray. Honestly. And doors will open up. He opens up opportunities you'd never believe. I've not invited myself anywhere, really, in 30 years. Yet I've traveled up and down this country and other countries having the privilege of preaching the gospel that, that shocks me at times that people want to listen to what we've got to say. Um, I uh, remember growing up in a very, very dysfunctional family. And I want to kind of, uh, as, as the guys were talking about, I'm going to land my uh, end of my message day on the start, really, because I want to uh, uh, paint a picture of me growing up in East London, and, uh, uh, and I was one of seven, and we all had different dads. None of us had the same dad, which was very unusual back in the 60s and 70s, and it is today, probably. One of, all seven of us had different dads. My mum, bless her, was into witchcraft, the occult, and all sorts of stuff. She liked to drink, she liked a fella, and that was kind of her life. And uh, she was a very attractive woman, and uh, that's the truth. Uh, my wife, she, I've been married 35 years, can you believe that? Yeah, let's see. I have this theory, I've got to stay on topic, but I have this theory, see Arthur, I travel with Arthur White, and, and, and he tells him he was a world champion, British champion, European, they go, oh, that's nice. And then he goes, I've been married for 50 years, and he gets this big roar like that, you see. There's something about being married for a little while, people seem to give you a big cheer, a big clap, you know. Um, we made it, he made it, is that what it is? Maybe, I don't know. Bless her, she's part of me all these years. I... Uh, uh, I knew I'd go off to it and lose the plot. Uh, growing up in a dysfunctional family, I remember one day we, me and my brothers decided to tie one of my little brothers upside down on the banisters. And uh, we hung him upside down with a bit of rope and he's, he's hanging upside down and he's screaming. My mum came running out screaming, get him down. And so we tried to unhang him. He had nappies on and stuff. And we, we tied him up by his feet, you know, and we was trying to get him off. And he was screaming and my mum was screaming at us. And my older brother, one of my brothers, Lloyd, he decided this was a great opportunity to, to get involved and he got a wet tea towel <laughs> and spun it you know I'm, some of you know where I'm going with this and I came behind us whipping us, you know, and, uh, and, and we were screaming, everyone was fighting, and the baby was hanging upside down, mum was screaming. At that exact moment, the doorbell rang, and, uh, 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 and my sister, bless her, she had learning difficulties, and she never answered the phone, she never answered the door, but this particular day, she decided to open the front door. My mum used to have sorry, 20 cats, hundreds of dogs. So there's cats and dogs. You've got to realize dogs are barking and there's mayhem in the house. And, uh, and, the, and so this door, my sister opened the door and there was a woman standing there. And my mum used to have a sign above the door that said, beware of the kids. <laughs> and this woman, I believe, was looking at this sign, beware of the kids. And her eyes are crossing like this. And she's literally, and my sister's opened the door, never opens the door, opened the door, and this woman's looked at, looking at this sign. I think her eyes might have been crossed because my sister just got freaked out. And as the, the woman looked down at us, she, my sister just screamed at her. Just, this is a true story, just screamed at her. And the woman looked through all these dogs fighting and barking and kids hanging upside down, mum screaming. We were whipping each other. And this is a true story. She just fainted on the doorstep. Bang. Mum said, quick, drag her in. She might be a social worker. 
I remember we dragged her in, turned out she was with the Avon, and uh, we... Mum was calmed down after that. We got our brother down, he's still alive, bless him. And... But that was my dysfunctional family. And uh, my life spiraled out of control, as a lot of you know, and I don't want to go into that today. But one night, I had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. I was seeing things that I shouldn't see. I was hearing things I shouldn't hear. I was privileged to supernatural healings of Dorman getting healed through being smashed to bits, through being pulled out of my bed. All sorts of supernatural stuff was happening. But I was resisting in denying Jesus Christ. I could not accept that there was a God. And I realized that it was going to cost me to follow Jesus Christ. After 18 months, after dreams and visions and all sorts of strange stuff, I concluded one night while sitting in my car, I had a seven-year prison sentence hanging over my head. I was covered in blood. I, had been out on, I'd have, uh, I was out on bail and had a contract taken on my life. And life was mad, but life was also, God was also knocking at the door of my heart. I sat in the car that night and realized that no matter what, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. No matter what it's going to cost me, no matter what I might have to give up, I know that I need to make him not just part of my life, not sitting next to me in the seat of my life, but taking control of my life. I concluded that if he is real, and if he is real, I have to give him all. As Mike read earlier from, uh, uh, from uh, uh, Romans 12, was it? Uh, uh, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. And we do that from the moment we accept him and challenge ourselves to make him Lord of our lives. And I said, Jesus, will you be a Lord of my life when I encountered the Holy Spirit in power? And he touched my heart, filled me with peace, filled me with joy. I remember sitting in my car with tears running down my face, feeling like I'd been plugged into an electric socket of some sort, power running through me. I went home that night. I had a miracle. I fell asleep. Never slept ever in my life. I used to sleep with a carving knife under my pillow out of fear. It was coming through my door with voices in my head, swearing and, fi and fighting going on all the time in my head. I had mental health issues that were taken from me that night. Why? Because he is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is more powerful than that that follows us around. We live in a world of principalities and powers. We live in a world that's under the power of wickedness, but he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. When you invite him to take over your life, he will take over totally. I called out to him and offered him my life and he took that darkness from me. I have been through hell and back in the last 30 years, but the peace and the joy of knowing him has never left me. He is my saviour. I've not looked back. I put my hand to the plough and I continue to press on to the hope that awaits me. He is everything to me. He's the thing I think about when I go to sleep to the thing I think about when I wake up. Why? Because I decided to believe in this. I decided to take it and believe it from Genesis to Revelations. And I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't comfortable with some of the stuff. But I decided I had to take it on board. And when I read about the reality of hell, and the truth of hell. And now those that were rejecting him would re are going to have a destination that's potentially hell. I thought, I need to tell people this truth. Jesus said, if you die in your sins without him, you're condemned already. There's great news in John 3.16. Whoever should believe in, him, in, in the one that God sends shall receive eternal life. 
But he says, I've not come to condemn the world, but through me, the world will be saved. Those that believe will not be condemned. Those who believe not are condemned already. And so there's shocking truths in John. It says, all those in the grave shall hear my voice and shall come forth. Those that have done good to resurrection of life. Those that have done evil to damnation. The scriptures say there's none that done good. No, not one. But only by believing in him, trusting in him. Why? He is Emmanuel. He's God incarnate. He paid the price and met the demands of justice. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. He died. He rose again, conquered death. His spirit is here now and he's coming back. And when I read that and decided to believe it, I thought I'd better tell people. I didn't like people. But God is love. And when you encounter love, you start to love people. I do not communicate the gospel because of a religious spirit. I believe I communicate because of the love of God that compels me. His love is resting in my heart. Lust wants to take. Love wants to give. God by nature is love. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. Humanity wants to take. God wants to give and love. Love is a giving thing. God demonstrated his love towards us. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He is the king of glory that died upon the cross, emptied himself that we may have eternal life. I remember doing this tough talk thing and uh, we didn't really know what was going on and we're turning up at places looking like a shambles really we were scaring the life out of pastors we were turning up in like combats and uh, and, and we were all bigger and uglier back in those days and uh, you know what Christianity does to people it makes you nice <laughs> this is true it doesn't mean to say Christianity is nice. It just it cleans you up, doesn't it? And you start to become nice. And, and, and we look a bit rough in those days. And, uh, and, and, but it was working even on us. We were becoming nice people. And, uh, and you know what, though? Christianity is not nice in some ways because even Billy Graham said Christianity is like a war zone. It's not playing patter cake in the playground. It's a war zone out there. And I acknowledged that and realized that, that it was not about fighting men anymore. It was principalities and powers. It was those that break up and bind up the minds of those that won't hear the glory of the gospel. And so I realized by telling a few jokes and lifting a few weights and having a bit of fun, that it broke down barriers. And it gave us the opportunity to share not only our story, but the important thing, which is the gospel. It's the gospel. A preacher once said to me, a pastor once said to me once, Ian, you've only got one message. It's the gospel. It's all you ever preach about. Because I'm not a teacher. Prophets prophesy, teachers teach, pastors pastor, and preachers of the gospel preach the gospel. That's what I do. And that's my community. I don't have to study for hours what I'm going to share this morning. Why? Because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe in it. And if I don't believe in it, I might as well do something else. Why would I want to come to church on a Sunday if I did not believe in it? Why am I spending my time on my knees and reading the scriptures and praying and traveling up and down the country? I don't get paid to do that. I'm not doing it because of financial gain. I do it because I sincerely believe in it. If we believe in it, we have to do something about it, don't we? Otherwise, there's better things we can do. Wouldn't you agree? There are better things to do. But if we believe in it, this is the most important job you'll ever, ever do. More important than running for government or council or mayor. More important than being a doctor or a nurse. I was out on the streets with, uh, uh, in Loughton during lockdown. I've been with, with crazy Kate. Where's Katie gone? She's not here. She's with the kids, is she? 
Me and her were out there upsetting the, the, the devils out there. We were. It was lockdown. We weren't supposed to be out there. She phoned me and said, Would you come out and preach? I said, Yeah, of course we So we, we went out and debbed them preaching uh, out there, and uh, people were effing and blinding us from the windows. And uh, <laughs> no one was out, were they? They were just shouting us from their windows, you know. And, uh, and this guy came out and says, uh, I don't know what you guys are doing, but my wife is sleeping back there. She's got real business. She's a nurse dealing with a crisis. And part of me started to feel guilty. And I thought, you know what? She's, you know, she's doing a real job. What am I doing? And I thought, but what I'm doing is eternal. The Bible says, fix not their eyes on things that are seen, but things that are unseen. Things that are unseen are eternal. I'm eternally giving out the word of life. It might not seem important to him and probably the culture around me because Christianity isn't important to the culture around us. But I've got good news. It is the force that we are operating in to bring hope to the nation. I do not believe the church is dead. I, was at, uh, I worked at, uh, together in Chelmsford uh, on Good Friday. Uh, we was working with 33 churches uh, in Chelmsford High Street. We, they'd give us an hour to preach out there, and there was over a 1,000 Christians gathered in Chelmsford on Good Friday. There was armies of them coming down the road with crosses. Who says the church is dead but the devil? I will build my, uh, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail, the Scripture says. I'm running out of time. <laughs> Rich isn't here. I could go over, couldn't I? <laughs> Oh, well, well I, I've, got, I've got lunch to go. So my family, dysfunctional family, uh, and I, 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 my mum comes to me, she says, uh, she, 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 I thought she'd be happy that I was a Christian. I said to her, mum, I'm a Christian. She said, Ian, I think you've been hitting the head too many times. <laughs> I thought she'd be happy because one minute I'm running around with a gun and a knife and a bat, and now I'm running around with a Bible. I thought she'd be happy, you know. She, she, she's looking at me like I'm mad. She said, I didn't realise witchcraft and Christianity were in opposite opposite directions, you know. I didn't know that at the time. And uh, then she came back to me, she said, and she said, I've had these dreams, uh, 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 I've had these dreams about God, and I'm, uh, and I'm rolling around in stinging nettles and thorns, and they're getting into my flesh, and, and these two hands are coming down to pull me out. I know they're Jesus, and I'm pushing him away and rejecting him. She says, what do you think that's about? <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, I've only been a Christian a year, but I thought, well, I understand this one, mum. I says, Mom, listen, I said, I think that Jesus Christ is calling you and you are resisting him. She knew really, didn't she? I said, I know that she, you, you don't want to pay the cost of following him. Who knows it costs to follow Jesus Christ. She prayed a prayer with me that day. We prayed together. And then I put my hand on her head. She was in my office. I had an office in South Woodford at the time. Put my hand on her head and said, Heavenly Father, uproot anything that does not belong to you from her in Jesus' name. She went home that night. All I know is at the time I was living in Wanstead and I had a little two-bedroom house there and uh, it was like early in the morning and uh, the doorbell was ringing, the door was banging and I look out the window and there's an entourage. My mum always travelled with entourages. Do you know what that kind of family I'm talking about? Big families with cousins and family, friends that seem to always be sleeping there and dogs. And mum's knife was always chaotic, I tell you. And, and literally, I look out for what's these people doing at my house at six o'clock in the morning. I let my mum in and she starts telling me, she said, what did you do to me? I said, what do you mean, what did I do to you? What did you do to me? What spell have you put on me? I said, what do you mean? She says, last night I laid in my bed and I felt this incredible heat all over my body. I felt like there was this power rushing through me. She said, I felt this knot inside my stomach. 
And that knot started to go up my gut, up my stomach, into my chest. My chest felt like it was exploding. So then suddenly it got into my throat and my throat went out like a frog. And then suddenly out of my mouth came a man's voice screaming, no, all the way around the house, woke everyone up. What is going on? What happened? I said, mum, I think they call that deliverance. I think you've been delivered, mum. I think the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And, and what I said yesterday was to uproot anything that didn't belong to you. I believe that some spirit has come off you. She looked scared. I said, look, we, amen to that indeed. She, she, we said, look, let's pray. I wasn't really, I didn't know what to do. We just prayed and invited the Holy Spirit into her heart to be baptized in the Spirit that she was speaking in tongues. And she started to speak in tongues, love the Lord Jesus Christ, go to church, fallery, fallery, born again. Amen to that. Why? Because he is the King of Kings, isn't he? He is the Lord of Lords. Life might be dark at times, but he is the light that shines into the darkness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says, Rejoice not thy enemy against me, for when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Amen to that, DJ. Listen, I carried on that road of preaching the gospel, evangelizing, I've had the privilege of traveling to different countries, prisons in different countries, preaching the gospel. I get opportunities to go to church events, fun days. That's a funny one, isn't it? Fun days. I get invited to do fun days. I always think, what is fun about us? We're going to come and talk about hell, <laughs> judgment, righteousness, the cross, the blood. There's not much fun in that, is there? But the churches seem to insist on bringing us down to fun days. And uh, uh, I do scratch my head, but they seem to enjoy it at times, you know. I'm convinced if you tell this generation the truth, they're hungry for it. They are. They're hungry for the gospel, not for waffle. They get enough waffle. Be direct and truthful, and they're hungry for it. I've had the opportunity of preaching on beaches, on ski slopes, in prisons, on everywhere. All sorts of crazy places, in, in, in places like Debden High Street and things like that. Uh, why? Because I sincerely believe that when I started to pray and get on my knees, he opened those opportunities to me. My mom started running events in our house, and bless her, she got a dementia uh, about eight years ago. And dementia's a wicked disease, isn't it? And I saw my mum slowly deteriorate uh, over those years to the point where she didn't recognise me, she didn't know who I was, she didn't know who she was, and she was in confused, and it was hard, and it was dark. And she passed away uh, of December two, uh, uh, 21, when 23, 21. And uh, an incredible thing was, I even up until the last... A week or two, but last time I saw her, about a week or two, I would go around her house, and she wouldn't know what she was at that point. She didn't know anything because they go backwards, didn't they? To the point where they just don't know anything. And I remember, like, she wouldn't even know. It's just gobbledygook being taught, really, nothing really. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'll say, "Mom, uh, we're going to pray." Who knows? Who can believe it? The moment I'd start to pray, she would suddenly I hear a voice suddenly praying in tongues, worshiping Jesus Christ, praising Him. He, she was truly born a grain. Her brain might have been shutting down, but her spirit was alive. She was alive inside that body. She went to be in glory. She went to be with the Lord. Life is ups and downs, isn't it? Last year, I had two grandchildren 
praise God. And, but my mum passed away just before the end of that year, and my sister passed away a few months later. You can have incredible highs, can't you? And incredible lows. Life isn't always just like that, is it? Or it's not always like It's ups and downs, isn't it? And, uh, and my sister passed away, and my mum passed away. And I was speaking at both of the, 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 the funerals. And uh, with my mum, it was a bit easier because she was uh, born again, and the godless part of my family had to accept that. So I took the funeral, and we had worship, and we had hymns, and all that sort of stuff. There wasn't much they could do about that. But when my sister passed away, my sister, bless her, she, she had learning difficulties all her life, and, and, and it upset particularly the godless bunch of my family. Who's got godless people in their family? You're blessed if you haven't. Most of us haven't we? And they were asking questions. Why did she die? She's been under this all this time and she, this was her moment to now have her own life. She'd never had a boyfriend. She'd never had a life. She'd never done anything on her own. And they were angry. Why? If there's a God, would he take her now? At this point, at this moment in her life. And uh, I, took, I spoke at the funeral. I took the funeral. And uh, it was a funny thing, really, because it wasn't planned, but we had an aisle like this in this church down in Clacton. It was the Elium Church down there. And I knew the pastor, so he let me have a little deal with the church, which was good. I always liked a little deal, you know. And, uh, and for some unknown reason, those that didn't know the Lord went and sat on my, le- on my left, on this side. You can't make it out, can you? And the Christians in my family, and it really is half and half, all seem to sit on this side. Am I right? And I got up to speak. I thought, this is really weird, isn't it? And this lot are all smiling at me, and they're at peace that my sister and my mum are in glory. Because my sister received Jesus Christ and got baptised. And they're convinced that she's going to see her again. This side, they're sitting there gnashing their teeth at me, looking angry. They didn't want to sing. They didn't want to participate. They didn't want to talk to us. They were there looking bitter. Godlessness and bitterness comes hand in hand, and they're looking at me. And I remember standing up there thinking, what do I say to this? Because I'm a he- they know it's coming. They know I'm going to share the gospel with them because they know who I am. They know what I'm going to say. And I said, listen, guys, and, uh, and I could see there was anger in their heart. There's questions unanswered, questions that they don't really want answers to anyway. You know that when you're evangelized. I could spend hours talking to you on the subject of tactical evangelism, but evangelism, really, questions are put up as statements, not as to receive answers. And you have to break down the foundations of those questions because what they're standing on is straw anyway. But that's another subject for another day, maybe. I'm talking to them. I'm looking at them. I said, listen, I believe that my sister was, you look down and think she didn't have a good life. And she didn't get much opportunity in life. And there's truth in that. But I think she was in a better position than most of us in this building. I said, the simple reason is this. I said, when I talked to her about faith... She didn't want to know about the hypostatic union. The, uh, the, the, she didn't want to know about the errancy of scripture or the, the, the science of textual criticism or anything like that. She didn't even want to know about Adam and Eve. She didn't want to know about where the dinosaurs were in the Bible. She never once said to me, if there's a God, why is there so much suffering in this world? She didn't want to know about anything from technical subjects to the most basic stuff. I said, she just looked at me and said, I want what you got, what mum's got. I want Jesus. That was it. It was as simple as that. I said, guys, Jesus had come to me like children. 
come to me with the faith of children. I said, she wasn't trying to work it out. She received Jesus to the very last moment when we found out she had stage four cancer. The very last time I saw her, she was still wanting prayer. She still wanted Jesus. I believe she's in glory. I said, I believe I will see her again. Unlike some of you here, I have that simple childlike faith. I said, you need that faith. You need it. All the questions can be answered. All the questions you've got can be discussed. The scriptures say, come reason with me. I said, but come, like a faith, come with that childlike faith that Laurel had. She received Jesus like that. I pray for these guys. My brother, one of my brothers, walked out of that church with tears in his eyes and said, Ian, I can't have it. I don't understand it. It's heaven or hell, life or death. It's been appointed once for man to die and face the judgment seat of Christ. We're either here by the fact that it's just an accident and there was a great big bang out there and there was an evolution and by chance we appeared with all this DNA or there is a creator and he's pulled us on and called us on this earth for this moment, for a time such as this, to be in this generation, to be effective with the gospel for now. You've got 80, 90 years, whatever it is, to turn to him or reject him. Who knows, when you're evangelizing, children receive the gospel quicker than the elderly. The older they get, I pray with people on their deathbed that are passing, that are rejecting Jesus Christ. Guys, I have run out of time. I'm going to conclude. Bow your heads, close your eyes. The Bible tells me the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You don't have to have been wicked like me to need Jesus Christ. He was the perfect one who died on the cross. He died for our sins. He shed his blood that we may have eternal life. Jesus said, even calling your brother a fool, you're in danger of hell's fire. Do I believe there's hell? Yes, I believe in hell. I believe God is just, he's righteous, but I believe in hell. I believe that the hell was created for the devil and his angels, but the Bible tells me, and Jesus is making it very assured to me, that those that reject him have an eternal destiny of hell. Now, behold, is the moment you're hearing the gospel. You may hear it again, but your heart and your ears may be hard, and it may not touch your soul. But if it's touching your soul this morning, I want to tell you there is this truth. It burns deep in my heart. It sets my heart on fire. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he conquered death and he rose again. He is coming back and he's going to judge this world. And now is the moment to get your hearts right with him if you do not know him. Maybe you've been coming to this church for a while or other churches and you haven't truly surrendered and made him Lord of your life. Not just Savior, but Lord of your life. Behold, now is the time. The hour is late. The moments of this earth and this planet are winding up. He is coming back. Our lives are momentary, like a vapor that here for a moment. Who knows if we're going to be alive tomorrow? Who knows if we even make it to tomorrow? Jesus told a story of this rich fool who built up barns and stuffed them full of goods and said, now I'm rich, I'm going to sit back and eat and drink and be merry. And the thundering voice of God came and said, thou fool, this very night your soul should be required of you. If your soul was required of you today, have you made peace with Jesus Christ? My mum, bless her, went to glory. My sister, bless her, is with the Lord. It's been appointed once for us to die and face judgment. 
And the scriptures say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm going to pray this prayer, and if you do not know him as Lord and Savior, if you do not know him, and you're not born again, and you haven't made him boss of your life, pray this in your heart, and at the end, we're going to say amen. In fact, let's pray it out loud after me. The Bible says if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we should be saved. Pray this out after us, and at the end, we'll say amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cross. Forgive us of our sins. The bad stuff we do. Rejecting you. Unbelief. And the fears. And the paranoias. And the anxieties. Come into our hearts. By the power of your eternal spirit. In Jesus mighty name. Amen. Every head stay bowed for me, every eye closed. If you have prayed that prayer this morning for the first time or backslidden, you know you just needed to get right with God. I want to pray that the seeds that have been sown will be protected over you today. I want to pray for you if that is you today, this morning, wherever you're at, where every head is bowed, every eye is closed, do business with God this morning. Quickly raise your hand for me so I can pray for you if that is you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Many more. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. God bless you. God bless you right at the back. Anybody else? Quickly. Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every one of those that responded this morning, that you would protect the seeds that have been sown from the wicked one, that, Lord, you'd fill them with the spirit of joy and peace and the knowledge of, and revelation of you, that you'd truly be personal to them. Give them a desire and a passion to preach the gospel, to find their calling and their purpose in the body of Christ. I pray for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, if you want to thank you, church, for supporting Tough Talk all years. You've been a blessing to Tough Talk. If you want one of our books, I've got a box over there. There are fiver. If you wanted to personally support Tough Talk, I've got a couple of forms here that um, you can write up and I can give you and you can send them off and that helps the work. And, uh, 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 and uh, that's good. I'll hand you back. Bless you.